Welcome to East Texas News Roundup for the week ending September the 26th, 2019. East Texas News Roundup is a weekly review of the news in five southeast Texas counties covered by Polk County Publishing Company newspapers, including Tyler, Polk, Trinity, San Jacinto, and Houston counties by the editors of those five newspapers. Polk County Publishing Manager Kelly Barnes kicks off this week's podcast. Hi, this is Kelly Barnes. I'm coming to you from the Polk County Enterprise, and we're talking about the news from Sunday, September 22nd through today and tomorrow, the Thursday, September 26th paper. And Imelda creates traffic issues in the Livingston area. If you were here, you were aware of 190 backing up traffic and causing quite a stir here in Livingston. We have Habitat kicks off the latest Project House, Habitat for Humanity in Polk County, held a dedicated ceremony for its 19th project and several officials came to join Habitat Board of Directors to kick it off. They enjoyed grilled hot dogs and a wonderful gift. Looks like William Berry and Karen Munson of Livingston donated a beautiful Dodge Ram pickup truck to Habitat for Humanity of Polk County. Thank you to them. Candidates for Polk County Sheriff in the 2020 election spoke on animal control and policies they plan to establish during a candidate forum hosted by the Polk County Republican Club. This took place on September 10th. We have the latest issue of the real estate guide for the Lake Livingston area, and there is a beautiful home featured on page one that is located on the lake, and several of the local realtors have listings. So if you're looking for property or you know someone who is, be sure and get a copy of the September real estate guide from the Polk County Enterprise. On October the 15th, CHI St. Luke's will be presenting an event, Power of Pink, for for more information or to reserve your space, be sure and call Tina Alexander Sellers or Tammy Ogletree. And Tammy's local number is 936 328 6980. There are tickets available at Homegrown, at the admin offices for the hospital here in Livingston, and at the Polk County Chamber of Commerce. Children's Haven received a donation from the Lions Club, and also Godtell received a donation from the Lions Club. There will be an artist reception on October 1 that is brought to you by the Angelina College Visual and Performing Arts, and they will host Neil Cox. This is a story in the paper by Gary Stoller. Knights of Columbus is having a barbecue brisket and chicken fundraiser on Friday, September 27th and Saturday, September 28th. It's going to be held at the Knights of Columbus Hall here in Livingston. The Livingston Board of Trustees welcomed Jennifer Birdwell, Director of Communications, into the prestigious Apple Corps. And pictured in the paper are Kevin Wooten, Trustee, Dr. Brent Hawkins, Superintendent, along with Birdwell, also Scott Paskey, Board Secretary, Chris Abbas, Trustee, Marty Drake, Vice President, and Ben Ogletree, Board President. Congratulations to Jennifer Birdwell. The Corrigan Bulldogs just missed an opportunity at their homecoming night. They lost 16-14, and Lizette Soto was named homecoming queen before the game. So congratulations to you, Lizette. Corrigan Camden Bulldogs. That brings up this weekend is going to be the Livingston Lions homecoming. And they had a big parade already. And the members of the homecoming court, I'm going to try to say these names. We've got Kylie Bresco Jr., Francis Zuniga Jr., 
Caitlin Garcia, Duke Atwell, Taylor Blancet, Ethan White, Gracie Belmont, Giovanni Olivares, Corin Dearden, John Torian McNeil, Arabella Lutton, and Jillian Hager. And I feel like I didn't say those names right, and I do apologize, but good luck to all of you who are on the court, and congratulations also to those of you that are representing your class. The Lions will face the Huntington Red Devils for their homecoming. It will be this Friday night, 7 p.m. at the Lions Stadium. This is a great headline. We're putting an alto to alto. This is by Albert Trevino. The Corgan Camden Bulldogs are working to get back on track as they face the 3-0 Alto Yellow Jackets this Friday. So there will be a game at Bulldog Stadium. So both of those teams are playing home. The Corgan Camden girls have a picture in the paper of them celebrating during a match with Hemphill, and there's a story in the paper on that. There was an Alto man killed in an accident Sunday. One vehicle crash involving an 18-wheeler on U.S. 59 South, five miles actually north of Corgan, according to the statement from the Texas Highway Patrol. This truck transporting timber was traveling south when a truck struck a concrete barrier before driving off the roadway to the right where it struck the wood line and overturned. The driver is Donald Wolf, 58 of Alto, and he was taken to the hospital here at CHI St. Luke's in Livingston and was pronounced dead a short time later. Polk County Commissioners recognized members of the Polk County Historical Commission after members earned the Distinguished Service Award from the Texas State Historical Commission. The awards are presented to county organizations that demonstrate exceptional service to preserve Texas heritage. That photos in the paper. The court names a new fire marshal. This is Commissioner's Court. This is a story by Valerie Riddell. Polk County commissioners voted to end the burn ban on Tuesday because of Imelda's impact on Houston with the post office roof collapsing. It is causing the local mail here in the Polk County area and in other East Texas towns to be very slow. So there will be some slow paying and we'll be hoping we don't lose any mail. But if you've been concerned about your bills or your payments, there was a problem and they're doing their best to get the packages delivered as soon as possible. This week in Trinity County, we have the Trinity Community Fair coming up Thursday through Saturday. Thursday features the exhibition setup, the livestock and shop projects check-in, the non-commercial exhibits will be received, and they will have a dance from 8.30 to 11 p.m., which is hosted by Trinity FFA. On Friday, they'll receive the non-commercial exhibits, they will have the silent auction for the shop projects, and they will have swine judging, rabbit judging, judging inside exhibits, shop project judging, the Trinity Tiger pep rally at noon. They will also have lamb judging, goat judging, steer judging, and the heifer show. At 6 o'clock, the Little Miss September pageant will take place. And from 7 to 11 p.m., Joe Savage will entertain the patrons. Saturday morning, the Grand Parade will take place at 10 a.m. and will follow the route on State Highway 19 North. Reese Norris will take the stage from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Jillian's Dance Center will perform in the pavilion and will be followed by the Fair Queen Coronation and the Parade Awards. There are three young ladies who are vying for the title of Trinity Community Fair Queen. They are Juliana Garcia, Sean Stat Sandoval, and Cameron Lane. They are all seniors at Trinity High School. There will also be a stick horse rodeo Saturday at 2, and from 4 to 7 p.m. Saturday, Michaela Griffin will entertain the patrons. Staying in Trinity, um, the Knights of Columbus, Most Holy Trinity Council 13136, 
had a fundraiser to raise money for toys for less fortunate children. This fundraiser was a shrimp gumbo. The shrimp gumbo fundraiser has taken place for nine years now. This toy drive that they've been doing started out as a chili dinner 10 years ago, but they decided to switch it to a shrimp gumbo nine years ago, and that has had more success. The shrimp gumbo dinner featured approximately 150 patrons, and 15 gallons of shrimp were served. The Knights of Columbus raised approximately $1,700 or $1,700, and Centerville will have a baseball district next year. Yes, the Centerville Bulldogs petitioned to join District 22-2A, and their petition was approved. So Centerville will join Trinity County rivals Groveton and Apple Springs in District 22-2A. Also in that district will be Kennard, Wells, Alto, Cushing, and Douglas. Centerville is a Class A school. It is one of four Class A schools in the district. Centerville, Apple Springs, Kennard, and Wells are all Class A, while Alto, Cushing, Douglas, and Groveton are Class 2A. And the way the format works, the top four 2A and top two Class A teams in each district qualify for the postseason. The 2A schools compete in their own bracket and the 1A schools compete in another bracket. And fortunately for the schools involved, the 2As and 1As will play each other once and the 1As will play each other three times. The 2As will play each other three times. So each team will have 13 district games. And on the note of athletics, Trinity High School Athletic Director and Head Football Coach Patrick Goodman was a guest speaker at the Trinity Lions Club last week. He talked about the state of the football team and the state of the athletic program. He believes things are looking good for the future of Trinity Athletics as they have large 8th grade classes that will be coming up to the freshman ranks next year. The football team is 0-4 heading into this weekend's district opener against Crockett. However, if a few lucky breaks go their way, Trinity could get win number one this week. The Tigers almost had win number one last Friday as they rallied from a 17-6 deficit to take a 20-17 lead with just more than three minutes to go. However, New Waverly drove down the field and scored on a touchdown run with eight seconds left to claim a 24-20 victory. Groveton rolled over Kearns 41-14 last Friday. The Indians jumped out to a 41-0 lead at halftime and put it in cruise control in the second half by playing reserve players. Apple Springs was also victorious. The Eagles soared past Tyler Heat by the score of 32-12. Like Groveton, Apple Springs did all of its scoring in the first half as they built a 32-6 halftime lead lead. Tyler Heat did score once in the second half, but Apple Springs was able to run out enough clock that Tyler Heat did not have enough time to score a touchdown or score more to take the lead. And the Trinity volleyball team claimed a 3-1 victory over Hempstead last week before dropping a 3-1 decision to New Waverly. The Lady Tigers, who lost to district leader Anderson Shiro in three close sets, are now 1-3 in district. They have a bye on Friday, and they return to action Tuesday against Houston. In Harmony. The Groveton Lady Indians are 4-0 in district play. They faced Combs Neal Tuesday night. That result was not available at podcast time. And the Lady Indians host Goodrich on Friday, and they visit Apple Springs on Tuesday. Speaking of Apple Springs volleyball, the Lady Eagles picked up win number one on the season on Tuesday. They defeated Goodrich in three sets. And the way it's set up in Class 2A volleyball, Groveton and Apple Springs are both members of District 23-2A. 
the top four 2As and the top three 1As in each district in volleyball qualify for the postseason. Well, by default, Groveton and Colmesneal are the only 2A schools in that district, so they clinched a playoff spot before the season even started. However, Apple Springs is duking it out with Kennard, Chester, and Goodrich for one of the three Class A playoff spots. If the Lady Eagles are able to beat Goodrich a second time around, barring any upsets by the Lady Hornets of Goodrich, um, Lady Eagles should be in the playoffs if they can get at least one more win over Goodrich. Howdy, everybody. Chris Edwards here coming at you and bringing you the news and events taken from this week's edition of the Tyler County Booster for this week. I hope everybody out there listening to this is having an enjoyable, a safe, productive, fun, and just darn skippy week. i got a big story this week that on a lot of people's tongues and a lot of people's minds, there was a shooting in Warren on Monday afternoon that left one man dead. This call came in at about 4 o'clock, and I heard it on the scanner, a report of a shooting, and it was by far one of the most chaotic and scary-sounding calls I'd, I'd heard come across the scanner in, in a long time. But there was a gentleman who was on the ground and had been shot, and he had an apparent gunshot wound to the upper torso, according to Sheriff Brian Weatherford when his deputies arrived at the scene near Warren. And the incident claimed the life. The man who was laying on the ground was a Kuntz man named Brandon Wood, 29-year-old man from Kuntz, and he was transported from the scene to Tyler County Hospital where he was pronounced deceased. According to the deputies, they got eyewitness accounts from the scene, and they had said that an altercation had occurred at a residence near where the man was found lying on the ground. They observed Blaze Daniel Hicks, a 27-year-old Silsby man, drive down the county road to Woods' location and stop. The witnesses told deputies that they had heard multiple gunshots and that Hicks's vehicle left the scene at a high rate of speed. Hicks was later arrested at 6.45 p.m. near Silsby by deputies with the Hardin County Sheriff's Department. According to the Hardin County Sheriff Mark Davis, Hicks had been in and out of jail multiple times. And when Davis's deputies went down to the residence where he was known to stay, which was located north of Silsby, they found a black truck that Tyler County deputies had called in matching description of what they had provided information-wise as Hicks's getaway vehicle. And even though Hicks was not at that residence that they checked out, his truck was, they found him a little while later at another house after speaking to some eyewitnesses near the scene who provided some information. Hicks surrendered to the Hardin County deputies and he was taken into custody and then later transported to the Tyler County Jail and he remains in custody charged with murder. This incident is still under investigation, so we'll bring you any updates that are pertinent to it. Our next story has to do with county government. As I said the last time, everybody's wrapping up their drafting of budgets and passing budgets, and they're having their hearings to get public input and so forth, and Tyler County just adopted its budget for fiscal year 2020, and Thursday it'll have a hearing in the morning at 8.30 in the commissioner's courtroom about the tax rate. The 2020 budget is going to retain the same bottom line expense and terms of the general fund and it's based on the proposed tax rates of the following 23 cents per hundred dollars of evaluation for the hospital tax rate 25 cents roughly well rounded up to 25 cents 
per tax rate for a special proposed tax rate and 68 round debt up per $100 for the general fund proposed tax rate. Um, the only increase or adjustment comes for the road and bridge fund because they're needing more materials to tackle some of these projects instead of just for simple patchwork or repair work. This has been a problem for some time, according to Judge Blanchett's. Keep your eyes peeled to the booster for any further developments of how your money is spent or also at the municipal level if you're living in one of the incorporated cities. We're also bringing news of, of their uh, budgetary allowances and how they're passing their budgets and so forth. Also, election season is coming upon us. It'll be here before we know it, the November general election. And we have two candidates who have announced candidacies for different county offices who gave their candidacy statements and biographies to the booster this week. Timothy Keene of Hillister is running for county sheriff, and he provided his information and why he wishes to run for the position of sheriff of Tyler County. And we have Casey Whitworth, who has announced the candidacy for the Precinct 2 constable position. So if you grab the newspaper this week, be sure and read through those two candidacy statements. And also, if you're running for public office in Tyler County or any of the counties that our newspapers service, we run free of charge a candidacy statement, which is a biography and why you wish to run for whatever office it is you're seeking. And we limit those to 600 words, but we publish them free of charge. So please hit us up and drop one by or email it to us if you're running for office and let the people know who you are and why you wish to take on this responsibility as a public servant. Now, if you grab the booster this week, I've mentioned our intern, Caleb Fortenberry. He's gotten his first byline this week on the front page of the booster. He wrote a news feature about saddle hunting and how it grown in popularity and a very interesting technique of hunting with a very minimal amount of equipment. So uh, be sure and check that out if you get a chance to. And Caleb has been doing some great work. He's been shooting these commercials and so forth for some of our clients and active on one of our other podcasts. And now he's writing for us too. And he's a great writer and great photographer. So we're lucky to have Caleb with. Anyways, he'll be seeing his name on some other things. Well, if you grab the booster this week, every week we have a page devoted to little items of interest in the area called Dogwood Country Living. It's sponsored by Walmart, and it's just a good thing for the people of the area to kind of check out about just different things that are going on in and around Tyler County or topics that might be of interest to them. And a lot of times it's kind of geared to a more historic-related topic. And this week, Michael Manis, who writes for us, wrote a piece about logging in Tyler County in the olden days. He interviewed a gentleman who married into an old-time logging family and was a logger himself. And it's just really neat. It shows a lot of history, a lot of obviously the most important dominant industry in the area and how it was done once upon a time. So be sure and check that out. My kind of a homespun style in his writing. So I think you'd enjoy that. Uh, most of you will. In the sports realm, this week we had our intrepid Warren and Woodville sports reporter Scott Lohr did a preview for us of District 3A, a District 12 3A Division 1 excitement coming up. Both of the the schools in that district in our county, Warren and Woodville, had a bye week last week. And so this week will be their first week of district play and everybody else too. This is the week that district play begins, but he had a really cool article that covers all the schools in the district and where they're headed. And so this week, Woodville will be traveling to East Chambers while Warren will be hosting Harden. 
So best of luck to the Eagles and to the Warriors. You know, the Warriors have been doing really good this season. And I was talking to uh, Mike Patty, who over there, who works at, at Warren ISD in administration. He said that the morale is, is greatly improved now that they've been winning some games and everything. And so go Warriors. Also, in news of teams that are winning, the Yellow Jackets of Chester shut out the Texas Christian Tigers last Friday. 66-0. So... Go Jackets. I think that Coach Nathan Woodard on board, uh, maybe he's really got him a good crew and maybe just found the right formula. So uh, look for good things with the Chester Yellow Jackets. It's their second win of the season. There's football games and volleyball going on and also some cross-country action. So be sure and check out the Booster for updates and schedules of all of those events in the area. And again, hats off to all of the teams in Tyler County and may you all win big this Friday, Saturday, and whenever you're going to be on the road for games. I guess that, that about rounds it up, true to the name of the podcast. Again, my name is Chris Edwards, and many thanks for listening. We'll see you down the road. Hello, East Texans. I'm Alton Porter, reporter for the Houston County Courier, and here's the latest from the Piney Woods of East Texas. In breaking news yesterday, Wednesday, September 25th, we reported on our Facebook page that around noon, an employee in the Houston County Courthouse reported receiving a phone call regarding a bomb threat to the courthouse. Chief Deputy Justin Kilo of the Sheriff's Office issued a press release stating the Sheriff's Office responded to the call and was assisted by many agencies, including the Crockett Police Department, the Houston County Emergency Management Coordinator's Office, the Constable's Offices, and the Texas Rangers. City of Crockett Public Works and the Texas Department of Transportation assisted in closing the streets around the courthouse while the Montgomery County Fire Marshal Bomb Squad checked the courthouse buildings for any explosive devices. I think it's important to note no explosive devices were found. An active investigation into the color of the threat is ongoing, and if and when found, person will be charged with a third-degree felony, an offense which is punishable by up to 10 years in prison. And now, to the front-page news in this week's Courier, the Thursday, September 26th edition, we lead this week's paper with two photos from our sports department that are creatively joined together under the heading Hard Fought, and that placed spotlight on the Grapeland Sandys and the Lovelady Lions, the two Houston County High School football teams that played last Friday. In the cut line, a company the two collaged photographs. Our sports editor, Larry Lamb, notes that the county's three high school football teams, which also includes the Crockett Bulldogs, are turning up the intensity level in preparation for their district openers this week. Last week, in their non-district finale, the Grapeland Sandys were victorious over the Norman G. Panthers with a score of 32-21. to The Lovelady Lions defeated the Leon Cougars 51-30. The Crockett Bulldogs had an open week. This week, both the Grape Grapeland Sandys and the Lovelady Lions face grueling bus trips of more than 120 miles to their District 12 to a Division II openers. The Lovelady Lions will travel down to Burkeville to play the Mustangs uh, today, which is Thursday, September 26th. And the Grapeland Sandys will face off against the Everdale Rebels tomorrow, Friday, September 27th. Coming off their bye week, the Crappick Bulldogs will make a short trip to Trinity tomorrow for their District 11 3A Division 
Division I opener against the Tigers. Larry's full stories about the Houston County football team's last week's games and this week's matchups are in this week's issue of The Courier. Now moving on to other front page news. We have a story about the Houston County Hospital District Board of Directors meeting which was held Tuesday, September the 17th. As expected, at that meeting, the Hospital District Board of Board members adopted the district's fiscal year 2019-2020 budget. In the budget, uh, the board members projected uh, that the district would have full total income and total expenses amounting to $3 million in the upcoming fiscal year that began Tuesday, October 1st. For more information on the hospital district's budget and the various other items on the uh, of business uh, the board members addressed at the meeting, go to The Courier, your leading Houston County newspaper. Now, another story beginning on page 1A in this week's Courier is about a home. It's capital H, capital O, capital M, capital E home program that funds the tearing down of unsafe homes owned by eligible low-income families and individuals and the building of new, decent, safe, and affordable homes to replace the torn-down ones. The new homes are free to eligible recipients. Four Crockett uh, residents and families are getting homes that will be valued at between $100,000 and $120,000 built for them under this program. Crockett Administrator John Angerstein told us, The U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development pays most of the cost of building these homes, and the city of Crockett pitches in funds to pay about 6% of the cost of each home. The initiative is called the Home Investment Partnerships Program, and it is administered by the Texas Department of Housing and Community Affairs. This is an interesting story. I see the complete version of it in the paper. Also starting on the front page of this week's Courier is our story about the 83rd Annual World Championship Fiddlers Festival. The festival will be held in the Port Ag Arena located in the 1100 block of Edmiston Drive this weekend. That is Saturday, September 28th here in Crockett. Registration for contestants will begin at 9 a.m. and the festival will officially kick off at 10 a.m. with a short opening ceremony. The senior division competition for fiddlers 65 years of age and older will begin at around 10.20 a.m., somewhere thereabout, and it will be followed by the youth division, which is also called the junior division, and the youth division is for fiddlers who are 18 years of age and younger. Competition in the World Championship Division, also called the Open Division, for fiddlers of all ages, and the Accompanist Division competition for guitar players of all ages who back up the fiddlers, both would take place in the afternoon. One of the many good things about the Fiddlers Festival, aside from all the great music entertainment and the opportunity to fellowship with like-minded people, it is free. There's no charge for fiddle, fiddle contestant to register and no charge for fiddle music-loving spectators who attend the event. That's according to Paul Stringer, the festival coordinator and chairman of the festival's board of directors. A total of $9,750 will be awarded in prize money to contestants who place in the four divisions. If you love bluegrass and folk music, this is a can't-miss event, so you should make plans to attend. Uh, you can expect a good time, Stringer said. Our story in the paper has all the details you need to know about the festival. Now, another notable story in this week's paper is about Tuesday, September 24th meeting of the Houston County Commissioner's Court. The story tells about the numerous agenda items addressed by Judge Jim Lovell and the commissioners. It briefly tells about the various matters acted on and tabled by the commissioners, such as their decision to not initiate a new burn ban and their adoption of a proclamation declaring the week of October 6th through 12th as National 4-H Week in the county. That's it for now. We'll see you all next week.